Welcome back to Remote Life. My name is Han Talbot, also known as Han Meets World, and today we'll be chatting with Nini Fritz. Currently based in Bali, Nini is Chief Happiness at Work Officer of the Work Happiness Project, as well as a certified bucket list coach with a mission to humanise the digital world by connecting everyday people and teams stronger than Wi-Fi. In this episode, we talk about the Work Happiness Project, the different things people need to know about a remote versus fixed location team environment, as well as creating and completing a bucket list. So grab a coffee, a tea or something stronger and let's get started. Nini, welcome back to the Remote Life Podcast. How are you? I'm fantastic. <laughs> How are you today, Han? I'm doing good. I'm on my second coffee already because uh, I got in back to the UK last night, so I'm still waking up a bit. As is apparently all our tech and all our Wi-Fi, honestly, <laughs> second time around, let, let's do this. <laughs> we can do this. <laughs> Uh, I think Tag maybe just wants us to be together and uh, <laughs> and not do this remote thing any longer. <laughs> or is it like one of those things? I feel like we say we can't just like brush over the fact that like we tried recording a podcast already and it was just like epic fail. I feel like this is a good sort of like moment to be like not all remote life is like you know beautiful and like easygoing. Sometimes we have tech issues. <laughs> We yeah. have our struggles too, people. It's not just flipping <laughs> coconut at some some dreamy tropical island. <laughs> Everyone is. I mean, the tropical dreamy tropical islands there, but the Wi-Fi might not be. <laughs> Got out of proof. <laughs> Amazing. So let's let's dive straight in. Tell us about you, Nini, and your remote life journey so far. Okay, so hi everyone. My name is Nini. <laughs> I'm working remotely since. Four years now. So I kind of did it before it was cool, before COVID made uh, remote work a thing. (laughs) So I always consider myself as one of the OGs. (laughs) And um, yeah, my journey started off with very beautiful bucket list adventure. So pretty much graduated from my master's and um, took a bucket list year to explore all the things I've wanted to see and do. And yeah, just get it out of my system before I'm ready for the serious corporate world and figure out what actually triggers my inner smile. uh, What is my purpose? What should I do um, professionally for the rest of my life? And I thought creating a bucket list and just embarking on all these adventures would help me to get closer to this. And in a very funny way, it did, because it turned out that that was actually (laughs) what I ended up doing. I found a very inspiring TEDx talk that really encouraged me to make the most out of this year and um, connected with the speaker and ended up uh, joining the Bucket List Coaching Company as a remote head of marketing based in Sydney. The company was based in, in Melbourne, Australia. And uh, yeah, that kind of kicked off my remote journey until I realized it's all fun and games to be so free. But I I do miss people. I do miss connections and a sense of belonging. So then I spread my wings and uh, flew off by creating the Work Happiness Project, which is team building for remote companies. And now I'm teaching remote employees to make bucket lists and live a life full, yeah, truly true to themselves and full of holistic happiness, I would say. <laughs> that sounds so nice. I love that. I teach teams to create bucket lists something oh my gosh that sounds so like therapeutic and just so <laughs> relaxing and oh that must be so fulfilling 
to do. It's it's extremely rewarding. I think oh. hopefully it goes both ways, but yeah, it just literally gets me out of bed and I mean it because sometimes I have workshops at like 3 a.m. Pali time. It just wow. pulls me out of bed to inspire people to virtually kick their ass to make the most out of their lives. And also, you know, just based on that, create deeper team connections and also, yeah, help them to to, um, to connect their professional goals and their personal goals as incentives. So it's a very holistic approach to teach people how to be happier with themselves, with their team and their company. That's really awesome. So like, okay, talk to us a little bit more about that. So how do you go about creating a bucket list? Yeah, like how do you go about doing it? So basically the bucket list workshop is just one of the workshops. So it's not all around the bucket list anymore. It started off like that. But the actual bucket list workshop is based on a 12-step acronym. So we work with the acronym My Bucket List. So that's 12 letters. And every letter stands for one specific bucket list category. So the idea is kind of based on this wheel of life. And the wheel of life says there are like eight to 10 different areas in our lives that need to be in balance in order to live like a holistically fulfilling and happy life. And the acronym is pretty much, yeah, a funny umbrella term of that wheel of life. So each letter represents one specific category. So K would be kindness for others. And we think about ways to like use their skills to give back to the community, to their country, to the world, to make it a better place. T would be taking lessons. And then they get 50 suggestions of uh, things they could possibly like want to learn from a new instrument, dance, surfing, DJing, beekeeping, whatever it is. And as we go through like the 12 letters, it kind of becomes clear that there's a pattern in there that some themes like reoccur. And yeah, it's just a beautiful way to help the individual employee to connect deeper with themselves, to get to know their team members based on their goals and dreams and desires in life and meet them as I would say human beings and not just human doings with the position they play in the job. And of course, for companies as well to use their employees' personal goals to link them to their professional goals as incentives, saying like, if you reach a certain KPI this month, we cover your helicopter flight over the Grand Canyon or whatever it is. And yeah, by the end of the blueprint, we have like 12 12 bucket list items pretty much for everyone. So it's not overwhelming. It's like different categories. So it's pretty tangible. It's like a tangible action plan for life. And then we take a countdown and they got to pick one goal and break it down into the most tangible action bites. Like thinking, what is the first step of action I need to take in order to come one step closer to my goal? And then they actually take action on the spot. So they get like five minutes or 10 minutes, depending on the overall length of the workshop. And yeah, they just got to take action on their bucket list. I had people booking flights in five minutes, people buying concert cards for their favorite artists, people like 
sending someone an I love you message or sending flowers to someone they love. And it's very impactful to see what people are actually able to do if you just give them like a little motivation, a little kick in the butt to be like, you know, that's the way to go. Just take some time out of your life to work on your life and yeah, can be extremely transformative. That sounds so nice. That it must be so like the energy must be incredible when you're in that room of people like yeah. Like we talked about when we briefly first met that like yeah, I I did a bucket list when I was 23 and started taking action. Like it was, it's just incredible feeling for yourself. So I can only imagine a room full of people doing that must be just so like yeah, energetic and like yeah, it must be wild. Yeah. What do you define as like a bucket list item as well? Because I feel like obviously we know what a bucket list technically is, but in a workshop where you then go, right, okay, it's got to be something that you don't want to take action on. How do you define a bucket list item? That is a good question because I feel like there's a huge misconception about what a bucket list goal needs to be. So people always think, you know, it's like hiking Machu Picchu, doing a skydive or, I don't know, quit your job and travel around the world. But I can tell you it's not that. Like a bucket list is not all about, you know, the big achievement goals. So we actually divide our goals into like habit goals and achievement goals. Like achievement goals are like the big chunk, big ticks, like running a marathon tick. But habit goals are also more in terms of implementing like a healthier lifestyle, like saying you commit to going running like three times a week or, um, you know, like doing Duolingo for 15 minutes every day to learn a new language. That's a habit. Like achievement goal, of course, is to be fluent in Spanish one day, but habit goals help you to like just become this like 1% better every day. And, um, yeah, a bucket list goal is also just about seeing life through the bucket list mindset. So actually, you know, saying yes more, saying yes to connecting with new people, saying yes to, um, going on adventures or like trying something out that you've never tried before. So it's not all about getting that tick on that list done. It's really, really about, you know, like reconsidering, how you spend your time, what do you make time for, where do you put your energy in, by just getting clearer on figuring out what actually makes you thrive, what tr- triggers your inner smile. And like, for some people, they realize like, oh, it's all about animals. Apparently, like, I really love dogs. So <laughs> in my free time, I just want to volunteer in a dog shelter. And that gives me extremely, like, extreme fulfillment and and, and happiness. Other people realize like, hey, I actually want to spend more time with my family and like create meaningful experiences with my family. So that becomes like um, an outstanding like uh, theme. So yeah, I think that's more what it's all about than specifically the, the one big goal. But yeah, just gets you more excited about seeing life through the bucket list lens to, you know, try out that restaurant you've always wanted to go to or get comfy out of your comfort zone by daring to take on new challenges. Yeah, I would say. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> For sure. Um, and I love what you said about uh, trig- what, what triggers your inner smile. I think that's a really good point to it as well, because you almost kind of have to have that inner 
not motivation, but you can't, you've got to want to do it as well. Because, yeah, I could easily sit here and say, like, oh, I've always wanted to go to this place or, like, I've always wanted to meet this person. But actually, do I? Not necessarily. And, like, you know, for me, it was about, like, okay, back when I did it, I want to move to London. I want to do this. I want to go to this place. And they're all places that I had an inner drive to want to move towards as well. Like, yeah, okay, it was scary, maybe. But it was still like something that I knew I was going to work towards. Whereas like, yeah, there was some other stuff that might be a bucket list item for somebody else, but doesn't really drive me in that same kind of like excitement. So I really like what you said about bringing a smile. I think that's such a big component. Definitely. Yeah. And it's a beautiful example that you mentioned, because I feel like mm. very often we're caught in this like culture escape that we think we have to do it because that's just how society meshes success but maybe it's not what we want. So mm. before we actually dive into creating the list, I always say, I tell them like, write it as if you weren't allowed to tell a single person. Like ideally they mm. should tell people because it helps them to achieve their goals, to share it. People can support them, can connect them with the right people. But like, you know, from this um, perception of like, it's not about posting it on social media or impressing other people. Like if they weren't allowed to tell a single person, would they still do it because it makes them happy? Or mm. is it just for the approval of others? That's a really good scale. Is that the right way? A good measurement, I guess. That's a very interesting point. It's the, yeah, what lights you up versus what's going to get you the most likes, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, think a whole other topic entirely that we could go into but anyway <laughs> what I was going to ask though what triggers your inner smile and like tell us about your bucket list because yeah I remember mm. when you first told me I was like wow this is incredible I think my inner smile like now it's much more holistic I would say is like I experience it when I have moments of growth when I feel like you know I've elevated to like a higher version of myself by yeah learning something new like it can be something new about myself can be you know mastering overcoming a challenge I also feel a lot of inner smile moments from just connecting with people who are good for my mental health <laughs> just an uplifting like-minded uh, inspiring people like yeah like thriving conversations really trigger my inner smile also, I think I would not have said that a couple of years ago, but quality me time, just having like a, a wholesome moment with myself, of course, also with other people that I love, but I think there's so much beauty in like having a date with yourself and enjoying your own mm -hmm. company and feeling very fulfilled by that. And um, Bali, Bali just triggers me <laughs> in a smile. <laughs> Makes me really happy to live here. <laughs> love that I think I think also having that kind of alone time is so important it's something that especially I feel like when you're a digital nomad or a remote worker you've almost got to get used to being alone like yeah it doesn't even necessarily have to be all the time but I feel like you have to get so comfortable with being by yourself like not lonely because I think yeah. that's between being alone and lonely but Definitely. I think you get so used to being with yourself and that can be very confronting it can be very confronting, but I think, you know, otherwise you would just try to like escape your own thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I think the more you travel, the more you realize that wherever you are, 
there you will be. So there's exactly. no way to like escape your own thoughts to like, you'll always bring your mind with you everywhere you go. So I think by constantly changing your environments, changing like places and faces, you realize like, I am the only constant I have in my life. Like mm-hmm. wherever I go, like there's always going to be me. Like people around me might change, like uh, circumstances, people, but like, I don't know. I like, <laughs> one moment when I just looked down on my toes and I just realized like, these going to be the toes that I'm going to look at for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a very deep moment. And I'm like, wow. Like, and uh, there's going to be the toe, toes that I'm going to paint in like different colors. But when I'm 80 and like old and wrinkly, like I'm still going to look at the toes. <laughs> like, And that was just, I mean, sounds a bit woo-woo, but like that was just such a connection moment with myself that I'm like, I'm always going to be in this body with this mind. Mm-hmm. And like, I think stepping out of your comfort zone and like being pulled out of the, your comfort zone environment basically mm. makes you realize that. And it's such a liberating and relieving feeling when you enjoy your own company and be like, Whoa, like you get less, like less fed up with like, I don't know, a breakup or something. Cause you don't need someone to uh, be a, your matching puzzle piece or something. Cause mm. you just, complete yourself and everything else is a nice add-on and um yeah like makes you happy of course but I think you can actually give more by feeling like you don't need something from someone else if that makes sense 100% I was going to say I feel like once I found that sort of sense of self yeah it creates such a kind of calming yeah not foundation but you just feel that kind of calmness yeah like don't get me wrong I still get like panicky and like get anxious every now and again but like it's a very different sense of feeling to be just good within yourself like to just feel good like not so I think also like the problem is that people think you have to be like 100% happy all the time but it's not about feeling happy with all the time it's about I know myself and I've put myself first enough yeah that I can therefore give to other people from that space of having given to myself also because I think also I was going to touch upon the point that with the bucket list it I don't know if that you found this also I think it kind of sounds like you did because of what you then mentioned just now about your your bucket list but once you you start doing the bucket list and you start taking action I found that it's not about completing the bucket list it's that kind of muscle of resilience of that career yeah. of like knowing what's on the other side of having completed something and so therefore having that excitement with yourself and again like sometimes when you're doing these things you're the only person who is your only cheerleader as well so therefore you have to find this kind of sense of strength within yourself and then once you start coming from this place and knowing that you can do all these things for yourself by with yourself as well <laughs> then it, it just creates this kind of sense of calm, I feel, and this kind of sense of self-confidence, I guess, that I found. Absolutely. Just, yeah, it's such a powerful feeling, I found. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, it's really not about just taking off the ling- list of like 100 things to do before you die. <laughs> it's like the, the journey and like self-exploration along the way. Mm. And like your goals can totally change. And like I probably like ditched a few things that I put up like, mm. I don't know, five years ago that I'm like looking at, I'm like, nah, I'm okay, but not 
being a mascot in a sports stadium. Although I actually would still love to do that. <laughs> but other things, so I'm like, okay, it's fine. But it's more like the resilience you build up and like, you know, this taking action that you just have this reminder that life is finite. Like you actually get to get stuff done. So you don't look back and regret and like, yeah, to just realize it's actually not too bad to put yourself out there every now and then. You might get a no, you might get rejected, but the times you actually get a yes and people are willing to help you, willing to support you or like the learnings that you learn when, you know, things don't work out as planned, like that's the stuff you're doing it for. And that might lead you to something even better. Exactly. I was going to say, I feel like also sometimes when you get like a no or you kind of get stopped or whatever and I normally find that actually it's just like a detour to the better thing yeah there's this beautiful saying like um rejection is just redirection yeah that changed it that changed everything when I heard that I'm like yeah like in a work in like romantic relationships whatever I always came to a point where I'm like in a way I was so relieved that things didn't work out the way Mm. I wanted them because in the end, it led to something even better. But only when you just surrender and accept instead of like trying to fight what you can change. Mm. I completely agree. Yeah. I guess just sort of touched upon it also. But is there anything that you feel like you've, uh, any like big takeaways that you've sort of had from completing your bucket list, as it were? Well, I would say it's never complete. Right. <laughs> um, and that's the beauty of it, you know. I think the day I would actually take it all off um, would be sad because that means yeah. that I lost like my fascination and excitement for life. Like I want to be like 85 and still want to take mozzarella making classes and <laughs> also happy to do that earlier, but at least when I'm 85. Well, I think the key takeaways, first and foremost, I would say you realize nothing, and I mean it, is too big to be ticked off your bucket list. Like, mm-hmm. where there's a why, there's a way. Like, as an example, one of the things I've always wanted to do is meeting the Dalai Lama. And yeah, it took me like three weeks in between watching this TEDx talk from this bucket list guy and actually touching hands with the Dalai Lama wow. just because I came up with a plan. And it was very easy. You just have to take some time out of your life to work on your life. Like zoom out, sit down with a pen and paper and just take some time out for yourself. And it's not as difficult as you would think. It's not, it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of money. It's more about coming up with a plan. And when it comes from like an intrinsic motivation, and I think that's the most important thing that it's because you really want to do it, then you miraculously always find a way to make it work. I completely agree. I, and I was just, I, for some reason, I was just kind of like kind of going back to when I completed my bucket list. I was really confronted by it. I was like, yeah. wait, what? Because I think I wrote it at 23 and pretty much finished it by like 28. Wow. Um, when was yeah. my bucket list? <laughs> oh, do you know, I don't even... things you ticked off? I think, honestly, mine was never about like... Yeah, I want to go to Mauritius or like, yeah, you do it really big. To the moon. (laughs) Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I'd love to go to Mauritius or the Maldives or like, I would love to go to (laughs) beaches, don't get me wrong. But for me, my big things were 
moving to London, doing uh, press for Fashion Week, going remote, starting a business. And it was never really like, and then I had a bunch of London things that I can't even remember what I did. So I just did them every weekend once I moved there. And it was just, it's funny, it was just never really, um, that's what I mean by that, once you sit with it and once you start doing, you realise that no thing is too big. Like, yeah. never could have imagined that within writing, within, um, you know, I want to do fa- uh, Fashion Week press. I was there at Fashion Week in, you know, for London and Paris within like six weeks of writing that list. And then like... Oh, wow. Yeah, just because a friend happened to have a contact that I applied for. You know, you just never know who you're going to meet. Yeah, that's that's why it's so important to share it with others. Yeah. It can actually help you. Yeah, 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 for sure. And then, like, I'll tell you one more story. There was a guy I was was dating at the time and... um, Oh, yeah. Juicy And he, we were, I I hadn't moved to London at this point, but we were wandering down uh, through Knightsbridge in London. It's like a really fancy, like, neighborhood of London down by Harrods. And I turned to him at one point, I was like, what brand would you feel like you were wearing that made you feel like you had made it in life? And I think he said Marc Jacobs or something like that. I think that was what we were walking past at the time. And he goes, what would you, what would it be for you? And for me at the time, I was like, it would be Burberry. And so literally within writing that bucket list, and of course, like, forgot about it. I was like a broadcast graduate, like, you know, it just didn't even really occur to me that it was even a tangible thing for me at the time. And then within writing that bucket list a few months, a month later, and then I went on to do that um, press, I then was in this Burberry outlet store in Heathrow Terminal 5 or something like that on my way to Paris, got chatting to one of the guys in this outlet and they gifted me a Burberry perfume <gasps> that just been really... Uh-uh. So I didn't even, like, it, yeah, I, I was gifted it. <laughs> it was not oh even... Oh, my God. Then you um, actually made it. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, well, shit. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, it was yeah. one of those things that, like, you never know how quickly... You know, I, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll be wearing a Burberry trench or something like that. And yeah. too, again, I then picked up this vintage Burberry trench about a year later. It was too big for me, but it was in an Oxford like charity shop and it was like a hundred pounds, which again for Burberry is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. But then you're picking this thing up and going, wow. Like it was just you just never know what that how that's going to manifest as it were. Yeah. Like how it's yeah. going to come up. Like again, you should have seen my I literally was calling friends going, Oh my god, I got gifted Burberry from like an actual like Burberry shop and stuff. And it was just and yeah, again, I didn't have a load of followers on Instagram or anything like that. It was nothing to do with it. It was just something came in line that day that yeah. I I felt like I made it because I was walking around with my little Burberry bag, you know, and, and just, your Burberry and perfume. <laughs> yeah. And it was my signature for a good like year or something at least. So it was just one of those like yeah, you never know how these things are going to come up. And what is a bucket list item for one person is not necessarily for another. And you just got to trust it's going to come up at some point. And it's just, it's just so funny how that stuff kind of aligns eventually. But yeah, and then basically the last thing on that list was going full-time remote because I've been on a remote for about 10 years. But yeah, I remember that day when I was like, oh my God, I've completed my list what now and then someone else said write another list and I was like well, yeah new goals you say that but then I was like but this is where that muscle comes in because once you know that you can do it and it just is a case of scheduling it in like planning for it 
I was just ticking it off like it was a regular thing on my to-do list. So I don't even necessarily have that bucket list anymore. <laughs> I think, I mean, that's a beautiful story. It's like mm-hmm. a lot of people wish they would ever complete their bucket list. They're just thinking it's like, I consider it more as like a daily reminder of mm-hmm. my why. You know, it's like every time like I kind of got like a vision board in my room, like I every time I go to the bathroom, like I see it and I get reminded on, you know, like the kind of the the goals I have and like what I'm doing it for. So yeah, it just gets me excited about like, mm. I don't know, planning my trips or like signing up for like classes and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I want to take the Beyonce dancing class. I want to mm. learn how to DJ, whatever. And you yeah, great just, DJ. Yeah, yeah, I think Nini Fritz makes a cool <laughs> DJ name. <laughs> the work happiness, like DJ, I can imagine like, you know, DJ Nini Fritz, the work happiness yeah. project, like that doubles up as right? like, a good like set name. <laughs> what is that? Something mix of like after work and happy hour or something. Yeah. You know, work happiness, the after work happy hour project. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Yeah, well, first I need to learn how to DJ, then we can come up with cool DJ names. <laughs> um, I expect tickets to your first show, please. Okay, uh, you can write the press release in your Burberry outfit. <laughs> I love that! Yay! <laughs> and I guess that's a good, also, that's a good question, actually. Like, what does happiness mean to you? Ooh, uh, that is a very good question. And you would expect that I just had like an instant answer for it. But I don't. I think happiness for me is just waking up with a smile and feeling like this inner contentment. And it doesn't mm. mean like everything always has to be like fantastic and great. And like, you know, but it's coming to a point. And actually, I wrote, funnily, after our call last week, wrote this LinkedIn mm. post about being unfuckwithable. Mm. Pardon my friend. Like, <laughs> I don't want to curse. But yeah, it's like this moment of realizing that you're so at peace with yourself that like the external circumstances can really shake you like you don't feel like this anxiety when things are not working out as planned and like you just feel so much inner peace and I think happiness is more a feeling that you feel inside rather than like an accumulation of like ideal circumstances around you I like that. That's a really good, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's great. I like it. I guess it's just going back to like also your the work happiness project a little bit. What are like some of the things like top things people need to know about like teams, the remote teams, for example, and how to manage a remote team from that perspective of because I feel like also when you're like when you're remote versus being in an office, there are definitely there are different things you have to think about in terms of how to like motivate your team or like check in on them their wellness like what do you think people need to know from that perspective yeah well there are definitely differences in terms of how to handle your team in an office or how to handle them in a remote setting and I think the biggest Mm. challenge um is when it comes to like making meaningful connections and actually building a culture which is expected to just, you know, flow naturally in an office setting. Like we just have these water cooler conversations. We share a lunch break, a cigarette break. And we have those like two minutes of making a human connection where we don't talk about work um, and just let the conversation flow. 
And I think this is like probably like the toughest one to replace in the digital setting because we have to create that intentionally. But on the upside, I believe that by creating it intentionally, we can actually create like a much more positive and happier and uplifting work environments because we actually put our focus on that and don't just expect it to happen or not. Mm. Like we need to plan like non-small talk coffee breaks. We need to plan like mental health check-ins. We need to like meaningfully invest in creating those connections. And yeah, I think that can actually be a better job uh, can be done if we do that strategically and with the help of tools than just expecting someone to have a deep chat uh, on a coffee break. I like that. Yeah. Cause I feel like, you know, we try, like I've been on a, I think a few companies now where they've tried to implement water cooler talk. Yeah. Or like, you know, oh, we have this hour where like everybody comes up onto this one like Slack huddle and you know, it's 20 people on this one huddle. And I think, how does anyone get a word in edgeways? Kind of, or like, how do you start a conversation in this? Because obviously like water cooler talk is normally like, what, two to maybe five people like in a normal yeah. office. Like it's not a huge group. So to then set aside specific water cooler talk, like feels a bit like a funny one to me. I don't know. It just, it, yeah, we're, we're not quite there perhaps like, is there anything that you would say could help people going or like you know you mentioned about not you know going deeper than the like standard yeah. talk. like what would you what's a good question for you or like yeah how would you initiate that I mean I might be a little bit biased because <laughs> um, I made a connection game so <laughs> of course Ooh. I'm always tooting my own horn and like just pushing like I connect into people and we're like everybody play I connect to have more meaningful conversations but of course there are also a bunch of like um, tools and slack integrations such as I think icebreaker AI or connect bots for instance and mm. they basically suggest like engaging questions or sometimes also like fun activities to kickstart conversations and these are some like meaningful tools that you can easily integrate into Slack and yeah, just actually, you know, make sure people don't sit around and be like, Ooh, this is awkward. What are we going to talk about? Like give them some sort of guided conversation. They don't like the question they skip to the next one, but then yeah, there's actually like a intentional conversation flow that's, is still being like in a respectful, like corporate setting, like no, no questions that are too personal, but yeah, also like no small talk level to actually make a meaningful human connection and not just talk about the weather or about mm -hmm. Games of Thrones or something, which is relevant, but you connect deeper when you get to know each other. For sure. And I guess also there's a few more um, platforms that have like breakout rooms now too, right? So yeah. Have those like small group conversations as well. And there are a lot of like platforms such as Butter, for instance, mm. um, where you can like have much more like engaging tools around the video call, like just, you know, insert GIFs or like more emotions, like become more human, more interactive. And yeah, I think these are all tools and ways where we can actually boost human connection. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, Nini, to wrap things up, I have one last question. Yes. Fill in the blank. Home is where? 
<laughs> the Wi-Fi connects automatically. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's hilarious. Nina, it's been amazing to chat. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was a great podcast session. Thank you. Honored to have been your guest. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Remote Life. And thank you, Nini, for taking the time to speak with us. You can find links to Nini's profiles below. Thank you so much again for listening and we can't wait to remote work with you again soon.